Good morning. Uh, how did uh, all your resolutions, were you able to share some of those? Um, one of mine was to, to get healthier. Um, it's because I love pizza, and pizza's delicious, and I usually have it once a week because we run out of time to cook things. So one of the things that I was researching for... Um, New Year's resolutions, which means I looked at Google to see the top ten. And what I found out is that it's basically the same each year. So you have lose weight, you have quit smoking, get a better education, get a better job, save money, get fit, eat healthy, manage debt, manage stress, take a trip. But I began to think, why don't we include God in our resolutions? I mean, some of you do, but... Most of us, we don't include God. Is that because we're afraid that that we're not going to let um, we're going to let God down in these resolutions? Are we afraid that we can't trust God in these? The questions that we get when we feel this way, um, like is everything going wrong? Um, then we have no place to turn. We ask God. Why? Like, we have these hard questions of what do we do when God is absent? What do we do when we feel like God isn't there, when God isn't helping us? Today we're going to look at a story in Genesis. This story is about one of the greatest um, characters in the Bible. Um, the story has been represented in movies and in plays. And, um, let me get this up. I can't. Okay. <laughs> the stories of Joseph. Now, if you open your Bible, if you have one, if you don't have one, we have some in the back. Um, thank you, Rob. I feel really far back. Okay. Um, this is good. Thank you. Now, open your Bibles to Genesis 37. While you're doing that, I'm going to give you a little background story. Um, so you have Jacob. Jacob is um, the son of Isaac, and Isaac is the son of Abraham. And Abraham made a covenant with God. And God made this covenant to make a great nation out of Abraham's descendant. So you have Jacob. Jacob, he's a dreamer. He had a couple dreams. And Jacob found this woman, and her name was Rachel. And he loved her. He was like, yeah, that's who I want to marry. So Jacob decides to that he wants to marry her, but then for some reason, he doesn't end up marrying her right away. He ends up marrying her sister, Leah. So then he works another seven years or so, and then he finally is able to marry Rachel. Now, Rachel is unable to have kids. So then um, Leah and Rachel's uh, servants start having kids for, including Rachel, start having kids for him. So we have Bilpha and Zilpha. So we're going to start in Genesis 37. So Jacob, he settled in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived for, as a foreigner. Now this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers and the sons of the fathers of Bilha and Zilpha. But Joseph reported to his father some bad things his brothers were doing. Now, one of the, one of the things I learned in seminary is 
this is kind of a, a translation that's hard to get, but what it really is is Joseph is going to his father and he's saying a false report. He's not saying that they're doing bad things. He's saying false, falsely things that um, they're doing, which is the same verbiage from when Joshua sends out um, some men and they come back and they give a false report. So Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his children because Joseph had been born of him in his old age. And Joseph was also Rachel's son. So one day, Joseph had spent, had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. And his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't stay, say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brother about this, he hated, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. We are out in a field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered all around, bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, You think you will be king, our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? They hated him all the more because his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, the eleven stars bowed low before me. Scolded him. What kind of dream is this? Wait. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams had meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture, their their father's flocks, and Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep in Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. And Jacob said, Then come back and bring a report to me. So Jacob sent on his way, and Joseph sent him on his way. And Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home to the valley of Herban. When he arrived there, a man in the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they're pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told them. They moved on from here. And they, said, and they heard him say, let's go to Dotham. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dotham and found them there. Now this is where the story kind of gets interesting. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him at a distance. When they approached him, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. We can tell our father the wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard this scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Reuben was one of the brothers that was older. Let's not kill them, he said. 
why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into empty cistern in the wilderness. Then he will die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat and looked up, they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelites, traders, taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin to Gilad down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, Why will we gain, or what will we gain by killing our brother? His blood would just give us a guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, we see him, we'll sell him to an Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out to the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. He went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will we do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat, dipped Joseph's robe in blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. He said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph had clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, dressed him in burlap, murmured a deep, deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say. Then I will, would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where their son Joseph, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, the officer of the pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. Have you noticed through this passage that we don't hear about God? God's name isn't mentioned at all. In fact, um, where is God? Do we see glimpses of God at work? Yes, but let me tell you about um, my experience with this. It was January 2012. My wife and I just, well, my wife gave birth. I was there. Um, (laughs) We had our first son, Zachary. Um, Kate had a great pregnancy. Um, There was no problems during the pregnancy. Everything was going along. She was tracking along. Everything, we didn't see anything happening that was concerning. But when Zach was born, he was five pounds, one ounce. We went full term, 40 weeks. So being from a long line of shorter individuals, my wife and I, we didn't really think too much of it. We didn't think like anything was wrong. We thought that he'd catch up. Um, 
So when we started bringing them to the doctor, we they started asking questions. They started wanting to see Zachary a lot more. And then we're looking at our friends' kids, and they're they're growing, they're meeting their milestones. And as we're bringing Zachary in every month um, to weigh him regularly, we begin to see that he's not he's not charted going on the chart. He's slowly just going along at his own rate. Now this was concerning to the doctors. We, we, Kate and I knew that we were doing everything right. We were feeding him. He was eating a lot. So we'd have questions like, are you feeding him? Are you giving him supplements? Are you giving him different type of milk? How much food are you feeding him? How old is your son? Was he premature? Are you sure he's that old? These questions are well intended, but we even had um, some friends that would try to find answers for us. We didn't need answers. We needed support. We needed people behind us. We needed people believing God was with us. As we started going through specialists, the specialists, we could find anything producing Zachary's results. We cried out to God, why? Why do we have to go through this? It took us 22 months after constant doctor appointments, physical therapy appointments with Zach, to find an answer. Zachary has a rare genetic disorder. It's pretty rare because I think we're the only family in Minnesota that has it. So, yeah, that's pretty rare. Some people think it's, it's a tragedy to have a, a child with special needs. But we look to it as thankfulness, gladness, that we had an answer, that we didn't have to fight for our son anymore. Well, we still do, but we didn't have to come up with the answers that we didn't have. Now that we know the answer, I'm not saying that we don't have our struggles. We still do. But now we know that there are things that we can do to be aware of. We can, we can track along with Zach's um, syndrome where he is. Things to look for. We were searching for answers when we should have been searching for God, trusting God. We always believed that God was with us. That God had great great plans for us. But during that time, not having answers was like sitting through this thick fog, not being able to see anything, not knowing where you're going. We weren't able to see God through this. But by God's grace, we got the answers for Zach's syndrome. And when we got those answers, his fog was lifted. 
we see God was at work, placing the right people at the right time. We didn't know what at the time, but God, as he did, he seemed absent. We felt like there was no prayers being answered. But then we started to see God looking back. We started to see God placing the right people at the right time. Putting the right therapists, the right doctors. We even found a daycare provider that is perfect for Zach, who knows how to react to Zach when other people quit on him. What I'm saying when we are going through suffering, it's hard. But to know that when you're going through suffering, God isn't absent. God is there. God is with you. Like looking back at Joseph's story, we see glimpses of God. Through, first through his dreams. Then through Reuben, wanting to save Joseph, then through Judah, wanting to sell him and not kill him. Then we see it through the Midianites, selling Joseph to Potiphar. The writer even says, God is with Joseph. But when you have Joseph thinking, probably, where are you, God? Why are my brothers turning against me? They wanted to kill him. So when Joseph was sent to prison, we start seeing God is working. God lets Joseph interpret dreams. So you start seeing God working in these weird dreams and finding answers. You start seeing Joseph rising to power. Why is Joseph rising to this power? God had a plan. We can see God, even through Joseph, being hated by his brothers. Being sold off in prison, rising to power. God saved Joseph, his brothers, and his family through Pharaoh's dreams. Leading them to prepare for famine that was predicted through the dreams. We see God is present, providing. We see God is keeping the promise he made to Abraham. The promise of having a great nation. Not only does he provide for the, the great nation that is to be, he also provides for the countries around. Because I don't know about you, when there's no food for seven years, I hope someone saves them up. Let's think at the moment about Jesus, Joseph's life might help us to look at our life or look at the life of Jesus. You see that Jesus, he was rejected by his people, by his close friends. He was beaten, he was jailed, he was flogged, hung up on a cross. At first glance, you'd think, God isn't there. But God is. God had a plan to save us all from our death sentence. By placing his son on the cross, to die for our sins, to give us life, to save us from this bondage. We see that God is present. We see that God is near. 
God is holy. God is good. God loves us. Now, let's look at the end of Genesis, um, Genesis fifty twenty. We can look and see how Joseph reflected back. He reflected back at these bad times. And he said to his brothers, You intended harm to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so that I could save the lives of many people. God had a plan. We all have plans for the new year, but they're not, they don't include God. We may want to lose weight, be a better person. But why don't we choose to open our lives to God instead of our plans to rely on them? Our lives are not promised that things will go our way, so we shouldn't expect things to go that way. It's time for us to change our thoughts, to rely on God, letting God guide us. We know that we can trust in God, even God seems absent. We know that God's plans are bigger than our plans. We can trust in God because God is working in us and through us. When you feel like God is absent, God is close. God is with you. God loves you.